Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuhu. Wa alaikum wa rahmatullah wa There's a story of a uh, woodsman, a laborer, who chopped wood for a living. And every day he would go and chop his wood. He would be paid a few rupees for the day's work. He would come home to his little shack where he lived alone. And on the way home, he would always pass this fruit vendor and who was set up near his little home. And he would buy whatever his pay was that day in fruit. And he would eat some of it and distribute it to his friends. And this went on day after day. Up on the hill, overlooking where this woodsman lived, was a wealthy man. And he would watch this every day. And he walked down one day to the fruit vendor and offered to buy some fruit. He asked him, how much is it? And he said, uh, they're one rupee a piece. And he said, well, I'll give you a half a rupee. And the vendor said, I can't sell it to you for that because then I won't make any profit and I'll be out of business. And the rich man insisted that that's all he could pay. And eventually he walked away not buying anything. While watching the woodsman and the joy that he exhibited every day in sharing his fruit with uh, his neighbors, uh, the rich man was thinking. He said he makes maybe 10, 20 rupees a day, spends all of it buying fruit. I'm sitting up here with lots and lots and lots of money, and I can't even allow myself to buy one piece of fruit uh, because I won't pay what they're asking. Yet I can easily afford it. What's the matter with me? Why am I this way? And he kept thinking this. And then he began to uh, pray. God, find me a solution to this. Show me why I'm this way. One day an older man with a beard and a cane was walking by and the rich man saw him and said, excuse me, sir, I'm in the midst of a dilemma and you seem to be someone who could resolve that dilemma for me. And uh, the older man stopped and said, what's your problem? And he began to explain the story and how he begrudged himself buying a piece of fruit. And he said to him, you've been caught in a trap. And to show you the nature of the trap, you're going to have to cooperate with me and it's going to take some of your money. And he said, I'll do whatever's necessary. I believe that you can help me. And so the man said, get a small coin bag and put 99 rupees in it. And uh, he did. And then he said, sit up here and watch me. And the next morning, after the woodsman 
left for work, the old man went down to his hut, pushed the door open a little bit, and threw the bag of coins into the woodsman's home. That evening, after distributing his fruit and eating his fruit, the woodsman walked into his house, and the door was open, so the man on uh, the hill could see what was going on. And the woodsman picked up the bag and looked in it, and then he began to count it. And when he got to 99, because that's how many rupees that were there, he said, God, why are you playing with me? You gave me 99. Why didn't you give me 100? And the next day, when the man came home from chopping his wood, he bypassed the fruit vendor and took the rupees that he had and put them in his bag. And he, the man on top could hear him, and he said, Now I have 118 rupees. Soon I will have 200 rupees. And the wise man said to him, This is what your life is like. You have attached yourself to wealth, and for some reason you have formed the opinion, the very strong opinion, that the more wealth you have, the happier you'll be. The more money you accumulate, the happier you'll be. Yet, you're not happier, and your life is getting worse and worse. Just as the man who used to be free is now trapped by his love of wealth. The degree doesn't matter. He has very little, but his accumulation is no different than your accumulation. The point being that when your life is about accumulation, then your life loses its joy and it loses its truth and it has entered into a disease that has no cure. Uh, people look for cures to their difficulties in different places. Usually, depending on what they're attached to. If they're attached to money, they think that more money will cure them. If they're attached to fame, they think more fame will cure them. If they're attached to lust, they think more lust will cure them. These are all degraded things. And you cannot be cured by degraded things. You can just get more involved in the degradation and more involved in the difficulty. The wise man spoke to the rich man and said, your only solution is to leave everything you have and come walk with me. And he did. And that became the rest of his life. Now, we are in this world that is in between 
Hawk and illusion. In between reality and illusion. And we try and find a place for ourselves in this world. And we try and find a way for ourselves in this world. But very often, we try and find our way in the world by trying to swallow the world. We think that our needs can be supplied by what the world has to offer. And the truth is, we do need some of the things of the world because we have a body and we have an illusory existence that lasts for a certain period of time. But the cure to the emptiness that we sometimes feel, the cure to the needs that we have, is not in the world. Part of what goes on with the world is you see things that are high and you see things that are low. You see men who are very wealthy, and you see men who are very poor. You see men who flaunt their possessions, and then you see some who have very little. And what happens is, the mind begins to compare. And in the comparisons... It begins to make judgments. I'm sure we all know people who, when they are around important people, act much differently than when they are around poor people. They have a different attitude towards important people than they have towards non-important people. They show a certain deference to those who are important where they show a lack of deference (laughs) to those who aren't important. They haven't learned about equality. And they haven't learned about Allah's justice, which is the same towards everyone. And since they haven't learned about this real justice, they are caught in the world of high and low, of rich and poor. And they begin to see themselves in that world. And they begin to classify themselves somewhere in that world. And if they're low, they try to raise themselves in whatever sort of way they think is important in the world. And in trying to raise themselves, In these worldly endeavors, they get more and more enmeshed in the difficulties and the chaos of the world. And this becomes their life. So, the first part of their life is spent enmeshing themselves in the chaos. And the second part of their life is spent trying to unravel themselves from the chaos. But, in essence... All they're doing is playing with chaos. 
there was a uh, teacher who had a group of about 50 students. And they all respected him and treated him very well. And one day, a notice came that this very important sheikh was going to be traveling through town. And he, his, his fame was throughout the country. And everyone knew who he was. And the students came to their teacher and said, uh, so-and-so is coming, we should go see him. And he said, uh, well, he hasn't invited me. I can't go see him unless he invites me. So one of the students uh, who understood a little bit about the nature of his teacher went uh, to this man who was coming into town, went to the town before, because he had been, he was traveling through, and explained to him the situation with his teacher and said, he won't come unless you're invited, unless he's invited, and he should go, and we should all go. So is it possible that you could invite him? And he said, well, to tell you the truth, all your teacher really does is play with his beard, but I will invite him. And he sent him an invitation. And so the day when he came into the town, the teacher showed up and the with his 50 students, and the holy man was was there. And the holy man begins to give a discourse, and in the midst of the discourse, he begins to describe the teacher and the fact that all he really does is play with his beard. And the teacher recognized the truth of what he was saying. And he said, oh my God, oh my God, Everything you're saying is true. And he began to rip his beard out of his face. And the holy man said, see, he's still playing with his beard. (laughs) And therein lies the difficulty of the patterns that we set in this world. First we set them up, and then we try to escape. And you can't, because you've all done, we've all done a very excellent job of enmeshing ourselves. We've all created these really magnificent spider webs and jumped right into them. So we are the ones who are trapped by our own weaving. We are the ones who are trapped by our own machinations. We are the ones who are trapped by our own intentions. We are the ones who are trapped by our own dealings. We are the ones who are trapped by the very standards that we set up that we can consider important in this world. And as we consider them important, if we run into anything that is contrary to that, we begin to tremble we begin to have difficulty. So if this web that we've created that holds us in place begins to tear at the corners, we begin to tremble because the world that we have created is beginning to disappear. The world that we hold important is beginning to disappear. Men of wealth, 
begin to tremble when their wealth fades, when their wealth fades. Men of fame begin to tremble when their fame fades. Men of power begin to tremble when their power fades. People who are involved with their looks begin to tremble as they get older. We need to understand that we cannot create our world. Our world is created for us by Allah. And we need to understand the nature of that creation and our place in that creation. And until we come to those kind of realizations, we will continue to weave webs and we will continue to be trapped by them. And every time we learn we're trapped, we will somehow try to escape but these webs are built so well that we become more and more entangled. The chaos grows. In the world of illusion, chaos dances with confusion. And that's how it is. So, the things that we think are beautiful the things that we think are elevated within the world are at their core chaotic. And the closer we get to them, the closer we envelop them, the more we bring them near us and into us, the more chaotic we become and the more entranced we become with the glitters and the magnetisms that those things have. How do we, how do we move? How do we get out? How do we escape? It's a backwards journey. We're, we're, we're put into this place in the world and then with the nature of the educational system in the West right now, we're taught about the world and we're taught about how to conquer the world how to get along, and how to do well within the world. We're not taught about our other side. We're not taught about the spiritual nature that we have. We're not taught about hak reality. We're only taught about the illusory world. And just because you are involved in religious studies does not mean that you're taught about reality because the religions have been transmuted by the people practicing them into illusory, non-real understandings of things so that they can maintain their institutions and become important in the world. The same kinds of standards that corporations have, religions have. The same kinds of motives that corporations have, religions have. The same kind of business work that businesses do, religions do. So, 
the fact that you may turn towards a religion, no matter what it is, is not necessarily going to solve your problem. And as we know right now, institutionally, a lot of the religions are rotting. Literally rotting. Their leadership doesn't know how to lead. Their leadership doesn't want to go towards reality. They want to maintain the status quo of their religion and expand the religion. And expansion of religion is the same as a multinational conglomerate buying more and more businesses. They deal in people and they deal in power over people. And when that becomes the purpose of religion, the religion has lost its way just in the same way that man loses his way. But for us, we don't need to worry about any of this. We don't need to worry about the multinationals. We don't have to worry about the religions. We don't have to worry about what's going on out there because there's very little that we can do about it. But what we can do is change our nature. What we can do is when we see those 99 rupees in a little bag, we can open it up instead of saying, Oh God, if you only gave me one more, we can say, Look how much fruit I can buy tomorrow. And maintain that free lifestyle. If we're going to be free, we cannot be tied to any of the temptations of the world. We cannot be trapped by any of the temptations of the world. We cannot pray to the temptations of the world. Give me another rupee is a prayer to money. We need to understand all of this. And we somehow have to find our freedom. But as long as we rely on our mind to lead us through all this, our mind is going to end up in places like, he's got more money than you. Why shouldn't you have as much as him? And that sets it all off. You enter into resentment. You enter into jealousy. You enter into anger. You enter into feeling empty because you have less illusion than the other guy has. We begin to measure illusion. And then we begin to measure the amount of illusion that we have. And it's an endless occupation. It is an endless endeavor. And it's an endeavor that has no solution and has no cure. The only way to get out of it is to give it up. And the only way to give it up is to stop paying attention to the mind. Because the mind is not going to stop this kind of foray. It's not going to stop this kind of thinking. This is what it does. This is its nature. We can't expect anything different from it. It's like if you play with a cobra, eventually you're going to get venom. If you play with the mind, 
within time, you're going to get chaos and confusion. Because that's all it has to give. It doesn't know the truth. It can't know the truth. It can't handle the truth. Because it's not set up to handle the truth. So, somehow, we have to make ourselves ready to receive the truth. And when we make ourselves ready to receive the truth, when the truth comes, we have to react to it. So, if we feel tinges of jealousy, we know we have to set an intention that they leave us. If we feel tinges of resentment, we know we have to set an intention that resentment leaves us. We know that all of the things that are produced by the illusory world when we enter into the comparative nature of who's got more illusion than whom are going to cause us psychic illnesses. And the only way to get rid of these psychic illnesses is to stop believing in the truth of them. And because they are so enmeshed in us, and so intertwined and interwoven with our physical being, it's a very difficult process to accomplish. And the only way it can be accomplished is to change our vibratory nature. Resentment has a different vibration than love. Jealousy has a different vibration than kindness. Greed has a different vibration than mercy. So imagine, you sit there in your meditation and you repeat over and over, greed, 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 greed. Or, you sit there in your meditation and you repeat, mercy, 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 mercy. Mercy. And as you change your vibratory state, which begins, by the way, with an intention to change your vibratory state, you become different. And slowly, your armor against greed has grown. Your armor against jealousy has grown. And you can see through the lies that these qualities carry within them. You can see through the lies that these qualities portray, and you can see the trap you entered into in the past, and how now you can avoid it. And it almost becomes funny. When uh, I first met Bawa, I asked him, when you go on this path, do you lose your sense of humor? And he responded by going through some of the things in my life and my reactions to them. And he says, I don't know, seems pretty funny to me. (laughs) And we need to come to that conclusion. We need to be able to look at how we were and finally get to the point where we can laugh. And we have to be able to laugh. Because if we go into guilt 
or if we go into remorse, or if we go into sadness, we're just playing the game of illusion again. So let's all get together and go over our past and laugh. And may God make it easy for us, and may he pull us from this web which we're all entangled in. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah.